So, uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. How was the rest of Australia? How was the rest of your Australian trip? Guys, it was magical. It was like the most magical time of my life so far, which is really funny (laughs) because I travel all over the place, but most of the time it's so work-focused that I typically only tack on a day, maybe two, like whenever I was in Sweden. That was the other best experience of my travel so far. And it's just, uh, it's so brief. But I really got to take my time and like sink my teeth into Australia. And I just, man, y'all just live in such a cool place. But yeah, it was right up my alley. And I just felt like every single day was just one unbelievable adventure after another. I was watching the stories quite closely because you're where you were is a couple of hours north of me. So mm. all of your experiences I was very familiar with. And there was, you, you talked about, there was a particular tree it's a paper bark tree. It's the one with the, the bark that's sort of peeling off. And it was such a cool moment to see. I can't, I can't, you'll have to remind me what the, what was special about it, but it was so cool to see you picking up on that tree. Cause that's a tree that I've actually planted in my yard because I think it's such a beautiful tree with that, that paper bark peeling off. But I can't remember yeah. what it was that, um, what you said that it was, that it was special about it. Well, it's called the Melaleuca, which is just also right. funny Like, I just feel like on my travels, I was just running into the best luck. I was literally looking at those trees and I was like, what are these? They're close to what we, what, what we know here in the States as birch, but it wasn't like it. And so I was like, I need to find somebody to tell me what these trees are. And so I just looked over and there's these two women walking next to me. And I was like, excuse me, long shot here, but do you know what these trees are? And she was like, yeah, I'm actually a holocausturist. <laughs> and I was like, of course you would be. Like, I'm just having the best trip of my life. So thank you. And she was like, these are melaleuca trees. And uh, she says the paper bark is what the aboriginal people originally did all of their drawings on. This was their paper and what they used to right. make all of their art on. And uh, their first, like, trans... Uh, uh, stories and songs and anyways it was just a really really cool so I was like that's that's an amazing history and like we have things called Melaleuca like brands and companies over here or Melaleuca oil but I never knew it was an actual tree I just never looked into it and so yeah it was and they were beautiful they were huge and then the bark was just such a really cool texture they're, they're straight we just before you came on the show we were talking about the forestry industry here Australia has some of the most amazing natural trees. Um, so we normally, we normally start the show by asking all of our guests who come on, you know, what do they do and how they got there. I'm pretty sure 99% of the people who listen to the show are going to know who you are. So I think maybe a better way to, 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 to start is um, what do you do? What do you do right now? Because you seem to have your fingers in a lot of different ventures. Mm-hmm. What does your day look like at the moment? Oh. My day's insane. There's no consistency to it, which is a, a field. You're looking at a chart that a lot of people like kind of cave under and don't thrive in. But I actually, I, I thrive my best whenever I don't have any boundaries and I can just ebb and flow where the day and problems or uh, good vibes take me. And so I really, I, I do my best work when I just don't have any parameters put on me. And so since I've become self-employed, like sometimes, especially whenever I'm working with a team, like earlier this year, about in March, I built a deck and I was working with my right-hand guy named Jacob. And then I had a videographer come out 
and I had my assistant working with brands. And so there was like a whole team of people where I really had to stay very structured and coordinated or uh, yeah, coordinated. But outside of big projects like that, I really just like to ebb and flow. And it's really, my day is insane. Um, Right now I would classify myself more as like a serial entrepreneur than any other sort of like woodworker. Like in the past, I go through kind of stages to where I'm very much like a woodworker. Then I'm like a CNCist and then I'll go through like a welding stage and I, I deep dive into certain things. But right now it is like full-fledged, just starting three businesses at the same time. All three are incredibly different. And it's just, it requires um, more of my skill set is pulling from my like business side of my mind rather than my building side of my mind. However, I am still very hands-on. Like today I was, I spent from 7 a.m. until noon on the computer uh, doing all business things across four different businesses. And then my afternoon was me being hands-on building out, like physically building out a golf simulator bay to where I was hanging televisions and curtains and I was installing flooring and things like that and hanging up a projector mount. So it's like, it's funny because now that I'm a, a decade into this on both a business front and a builder front, I'm just like pulling from my toolbox regardless of what task is in front of me. So... I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but my days. Yeah, <laughs> we always we always talk on the show to people that are sort of looking at making a full time move into being self employed in business. We always talk about the importance of a side hustle, yeah. and like it's really hard to differentiate. I think looking at your business, which one is the side hustle? Yes. Because there's just so many facets to it. Can you talk us through how April Wilkerson the business operates? So which ones are directly related to the making and the plan sales, mm-hmm. and then the total side things like the golf simulators? Like how many different how many different points are there to the web? Yeah, so Wilkerdoos is my main hub. It's been the thing that I started first. It's the biggest revenue stream because it's the 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 business model of Wilkerdoos is just almost unreal. Uh, being a content creator to where essentially I'm getting paid to build what I want to fix up my home. You know, I get into kayaking and I can build 10 different kayaking related projects. And now my hobby has become monetized, right? If I want to get into chickens, boom, I can build a chicken coop and I can build anything and everything chicken related. So like, and then I make a video of it. I couple that with sponsorships plan cells. And then it's just like, it's almost a a make-believe business with how uh, like center synergy it is. Um, And so, but I've been doing it the longest and it's the one that is definitely the most taxing because everything is about me. Like I am the one designing things. I am the one building things. I'm the one on camera uh, it, and it has my heart. And so it's very reliant on me being present and on it with that. It's also, um, it's, I'm just kind of like burnt out on it. Truthfully, I still want to do it. I still want to like pass along information and I still want to build and get paid to like fix things up in my life and help inspire other people to put their hands on tools. But I don't want to do it at the rate that I have been doing it over the last nine years. And so then my motivation came in on like, 
setting up other side hustles to turn them into full-fledged businesses so that one of these days, whenever I don't want to do videos or I just want to do a few a year, I can cut back and rely on those other businesses. And so back in 2020, I started The Woodshed, which is my production company. And the idea there was that Wilker is me, I would design and build one, and then I would show people how to do it. But then my production shop would build 10,000 of them. And then that way, because I'm not somebody who can build even the same thing twice. I get bored. I get restless. It's like, I've done that. I'm ready to move on. But what a shame because we put so much effort into the design and the thought and um, it should be like, why not Like why not get more benefit for your buck, basically, bang for mm, your buck? That's a good point. So that's, yeah. so that's where that's where that comes in. Like if you guys design a great piece of furniture, why not make passive revenue on it? There's one audience that wants to build it themselves, and that's where plans and templates can come in. But then there's a whole different audience that they they don't care who you are. They don't want to put their they don't want they don't want to use their garage as a shop, and that's just they fine. They just want the thing. They want the thing. So then there's two markets there that you can be utilizing <laughs> in order to get way more bang for your creative buck. Um, and so I, I started doing that, and then since I have this production shop. And I'm not turning out things. I mean, y'all know it's very time consuming to design and build something and prototype it where it's like fine tuned. And so I'm not, I'm not doing that enough in order to keep my shop full bit busy. So then I reached out to other clients such as Rockler and Infinity and all, like anybody in the woodworking space. And I was like, hey, do you have anything you want me to mass produce on your behalf? And uh-huh. so... That's mostly what I'm keeping my, my shop busy with is like Rockler started selling. I, I, I told them, hey, I'm having really great luck with selling uh, quarter inch templates. Would you guys want me to test out your market? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. So now I produce all of their templates that they're selling, selling nationwide. Um, so that's just an idea on like what my production company does. When I started that, Yes, it's a side hustle, but I, I always had the intention and a business plan to make it a full-fledged business. And it, the intention was to put a manager over it so that it wouldn't take up my time. I want to be somebody's second. I want to be almost like a board of directors where I'll come in and I'll set it all up. I'll think out the business plan, but then now I turn it over to you and you execute and you follow through on it. If an employee doesn't show up, that's something that you that's need to work you. out. Yeah, if if a delivery didn't uh, get delivered and you need quarter inch material, then that's you. So I don't want to be involved in the day to day. I just want to be involved mm. in the higher level thinking because I already have a brand that I could work eighty hours a week and it's still not be enough, right? So I don't want something else to pull me way too much. Um, to be, uh, I guess, very transparent, I've tried out three different managers and it just hasn't worked out. Um, I live in a very remote area, not very remote, but I live in the country and it's just difficult to find people with kind of like a skill set that is kind of required because it does take somebody who has at least some building knowledge, but then also a business mentality mm-hmm. as well. And so it's, it's been difficult. And so since a manager hasn't worked out, that responsibility has fallen back on me. So now I'm, I'm, uh, the direct head of both of these businesses. So right now that's where most of my time is coming in. Well then, <laughs> before I knew that the manager wasn't going to work out, I've already like went down this path of developing a 10 acre RV park. I, <laughs> I ended up, uh, which in the States is like a really nice 
thing. It's not like there's mobile home parks that are a little bit, you know, not so nice sometimes. And then there's RV parks that are for mostly like retirees that travel around or even youth that work remotely and just want to see the the U.S. as they're working. So, yeah, I have 10 acres and it's in a really great spot of Texas. And so I've decided to develop that. Again, I thought I do not want this on my plate. I just want to be the thought behind it. And then I want somebody else to execute it. And so I ended up hiring out um, a GC. And then to be fully transparent, it has been a massive fail. Uh, And (laughs) they just, uh, it's whatever, 11 months into it. And I'm still waiting on permits from the state. And the last time I talked to them, I was like, when's the last time somebody's had direct communication asking what the, what the holdup is and if we can provide anything? And he's like, oh, we've never reached out to them. That's the sort of like mentality I'm dealing with. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we're, we're two different people. And I will, I will go ahead and end our relationship before I say something super impolite. So now. <laughs> so if, if, if any listeners are looking for a job in Texas, yeah. Yeah. contact April. Well, yep. I, but like at the end of the day, everybody who sticks around and works for me loves it. Um, everybody thinks, it, well, that sticks around thinks that I'm a wonderful boss. I'm very flexible. I'm also very like, people make mistakes. I just had a huge mistake today and it's just kind of like, well, let's just deal with it, right? Because I also make tons of mistakes and I just, I I view my team as a little family. I have your back if you have my back. But I also, I move at a pace that most people aren't used to. And I also have a wide variety of things going on, which again, some people can thrive in and some people get overwhelmed by. So it takes the right sort of person to click with me and the, the people who have been with me for a while, they are the sort of people who get juiced up by it just like I do. Um, the people who haven't been able to stick around are the people who get overwhelmed by it or just just move at a much slower pace that there's nothing wrong with that. But that just means if I can only have a very small team, I just need somebody. I just need the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, you know, that, that theme of trying to find the right person to work with you is something that we've discussed on, on the podcast quite a lot. I mean, I used to have an employee full time for five years and, you know, it's constant, there's constant, I don't want to say battles, but as a constant like flux of, good and bad outcomes when you're dealing with other people and it's very difficult to find the right fit so i i sympathize with with you but i can't imagine to be honest doing it on multiple businesses at the same time it seems (laughs) that seems stressful (laughs) it is and i wish i could go back and i guess i was way too optimistic but i just thought surely i'll be able to find somebody like now because i hired my first employee in 2020 so i was very new to it and I just, up until that point, I didn't, I didn't really realize, and I'm not saying I'm special, but I, but I am uh, knowledgeable that I, I just move at a different rate than other people. And I also handle a much heavier, or like wider load, I guess. And so, I, but at that point, I didn't realize that there was any sort of differentiating factor. Um, so I, I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to find somebody who I guess didn't disappoint me. But I mean, also on the, on the positive side, I found... Uh, five wonderful golden, I call them golden tickets, right? And we just make up an A team to where we can just, it's incredible the amount of stuff that all of us can get done um, in a week's time. But yeah, 
So it's, it's difficult, but also with that, whenever you're like inserting any new relationship is always going to be difficult because you have to learn how to work together. And then there's yeah. like a trial period on, oh, okay, is this just not going to work? Or is it something that I need to do differently to communicate with you better? Or you communicate with me better or, you know, so there's also that period of is, are you the wrong person or is this the right fit or is this the wrong fit? Or are we just not communicating properly or, you know, working the way that, and that it can work. But, uh, so to, I guess to wrap up the, sorry for the very long answer once again, but the, uh, the other, no, 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 we like long answers. Okay. Long answers are good. The, yeah. Then the, we're a long form podcast, something I've started. So with the woodshed, um, the production company, the, the second business I started whenever I very first started it, I bought that building in December of 2019, and then the world shut down in March of 2020. So four months after I bought it, um, I had dedicated about 2,000 square feet to a retail section, which is all foot traffic. And I was going to be selling yes. slabs and furniture and just mm. products and then just relying on that. Well, when the world shut down, no problem. I'm very good at pivoting. And I just moved to developing the shop instead. And then that's how I was able to stay afloat and then eventually thrive is because I was able to round up CNC business from all over the U.S. where people couldn't go into work and they were looking for a remote shop to do all of their production needs whenever shipping overseas was getting insane. So it actually worked out really heavily in my, in my favor for the shop. Well, then, you know, COVID ended and I kept looking at this retail section, man, thinking, do I want to invest into creating this or do I want to pivot and change it into something else? And then I started looking into, I got into golf at, during the pandemic and I looked into a golf simulator business model and I was like, I love this. It's so fun. It's, it's very low key and it's way, I think it's better bang for the buck um, for the, for the input. Uh, so mm. yeah, I decided to, to kill off the retail section of the woodshed, start a brand new business, completely separate called divots. And it's going to be a golf simulator business. So I wish I was, I wish the woodshed and the RV park had people over it that I could rely on so that I could fully focus on divots. Mm. However, since that's not the case, I could either pause divots but I don't want to because I would rather it take six months to develop than pause for six months and then just get started on it. So with that, I've been adding to my plate, developing this fourth business just in my free time. <laughs> um, and it, sounds like, it sounds like the golf simulator thing is, is your baby passion like, project. Sure. It sounds like this, this, is, this is the one that's, that's really got hold of you at the minute. So you've at done the all the fit out of the bays and installation of... Is it TrackMan that you use? Yep, I'm using or, three TrackMans yeah. uh, for right now. Right. And I built a sound wall in between divots and the woodshed so to kill the, the noise from like the planer and the joiner mostly. And it works great. But if, it, if, if my area can support three bays and then it looks like I can I could utilize more, then I can tear down that sound wall and right. uh, install five, up to five. So we'll see yeah. how it goes, but it's, yeah, I mean, cool. truly my, this is the way that I am, whatever project I'm currently working on, whether it be a rocking chair or, um, you know, I remember first learning anything, uh, doing backsplash or doing uh, welding, like it just, it grips me and I'm just like, I just want to spend all my time on it. And, but then yeah. I know as soon as it gets set up, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready on to the next thing. What, what's next for me? <laughs> I'm just... 
So just going back anyways. to the um, the in, in hiring employees, I just want to mm-hmm. just want to hear the story of how that happened because we do talk about this occasionally. What was sort of the the impetus for having to get that employee? Was it had you just slowly burnt out, or was there a particular moment where you said, "Right, that's it. I just I cannot do it all." Yeah, it was. You know, I had just gotten my CNC maybe about eight months. I don't know if I was at the eight or nine month, but it was within the first year of me getting a CNC. And I was trying to figure out how do I scale Wilker Do's? How do I scale building a project every single week? And like, you can't just build anything. Like I was at that time, I was, I was always trying to think of like making it multifunctional or sneaky storage or some sort of like different, like different factor about it that would make it unique. And just like, I'm not naturally inclined to be a builder. Like it takes me three times longer than someone like, you know, anybody else that I've been around in the space that I'm friends with, which I'm totally fine with until you come into, I need to do this on a weekly basis. Then on top of like designing it, and then gathering up materials and building it. I also need to produce a set of plans, film it, make the edit. And it was just, it's not scalable, all reliant on me. And so I was faced with the decision on, I can either back off the quantity or I could bring in help and see if that will allow me to do more by doing either the same amount or less of my, of my time. And so, yeah, I brought in, two people, one person to just do the CNC work, because what I was trying to do is I had just built a port swing and I wanted to test the market to see, would people buy a template to trace this and utilize on, on, on their project? Will they also buy a kit? So my, my very first test was selling templates for those who want, who are makers and then kits for those who weren't. The kits didn't do anything, but the templates showed a lot of promise. And so then I hired somebody because I was just spending all of my, I mean, I was up till 10, 11 o'clock every night after working a full day in my shop, doing nothing but running the CNC. And so I hired somebody to, to run the CNC while I was next door in my shop building the next video. And then I also hired somebody to work ahead of me. I was thinking if I could find somebody that could gather all the tools that I need, gather the materials, even like make pre-cuts to where if I'm building... Uh, a chicken coop and I need to frame two walls, they could build, they could cut all my material for me because like on the video, I'm not showing me making 75 cuts at the miter saw. I'm showing making two, three, maybe. And so I was just thinking they could, they could, they could do all that. So that was really the point of, let me see if this will work. And it worked great. (laughs) So (laughs) other, other times where it did not work great, Because I've tried out a few different roles here and there. And I always start off with, hey, let's do a a 30-day or a 60-day trial and just dip our toes in and make sure that this is going to be a good fit for both of us. And uh, way, way more often than it working out, it doesn't work out. And I just have to say, sorry, this isn't isn't working out. It must be a difficult conversation, but I guess if you get good at it, then it's not too bad. Oh, it's horrible. I'm, I'm not good at it at all. I'm horrible. Um, but there are two ways of looking at it. Since y'all, since y'all talk to people a lot about it, I don't know what y'all's, y'all's viewpoint on it is, but the way that I think about it is there, there's a, a position that will either free up my time so that then I can spend that time doing something else that will generate money directly 
or I will hire somebody and that role is to generate money directly. And I'm very clear with that hire up front on what that role, on what their role is. So that there's like clear expectations, I guess. Like the, the last guy, he was a fabulous guy. He was very gung-ho. He was very young. And, but he approached me. He was like, hey, I'm willing to quit my job tomorrow if I can work for you. And I said, I, I ended up being talked into it. And I said, to be very clear, if you don't make the same amount of money that I'm paying you, I will give you, I think I gave him three months, maybe four. I think it was four. I said, if, if you don't make the same amount of money that I'm paying you, I'm not going to keep you on because I'm looking at your role as a direct revenue uh, creation, not alleviating my time so that then I can spend that time making money myself. You know, y'all, mm. I, I don't think I'm using the right words, but y'all see what I'm saying? No, no, yeah. that makes perfect okay. sense. Whereas like Jacob is my right-hand man. If he is prepping for, uh, like I have a greenhouse coming up, and he spent the day cutting material for me so that I can just make four cuts tomorrow instead of 60. That's not making me money, but it's freed up my time so that I can go spend it elsewhere to make money. So it's like, I just, I get it straight in my own head so that then I can evaluate, is this position worth it to me or not at, at the end of some sort of timeline? And then also to them, are you doing your job well enough or not? It really does. It, it shows why channels like yours are successful. Like this is not just a little YouTube thing. This is a production company. Like, it's literally operating the way, I don't know, a Netflix, the way Jimmy described, you know, making fun as it is a production company. These days, yes. It's fascinating. But I don't want to discourage people from starting YouTube because I started my channel in 2014 and then I didn't hire Jacob until 2020. So for six years, I did. I just, I did everything myself. I thought of the project, I designed it, I gathered material, I built it, I filmed, I edited, I did all of my social media, I did all of my plans. Like it was just, it was just crazy amounts. And so like you can absolutely do it. And Jimmy still does it all himself. So you, you don't have to get to the production company level if you don't want to. But yeah, these days I absolutely have somebody prepping it. And then I have um, a, a videographer because I don't want to be filming anymore. And then I have an editor that's separate. And so it, because my interest is so like in other places, but know that it doesn't have to be that way. And so I don't want, I don't want people yeah. to get discouraged by thinking they can't do it because they have to put all these pieces in place. And talking about interest in other places, you've just taken on a new house flip. Well, I, uh, maybe not flip, but it's property. Yeah. It's investment property. So, uh, my brother, oh, right, and okay. ne- just investment. And, yes. My, my brother and nephews live in Florida and me and my mom go there probably six times a year at least. And you know, what's really funny about this is I told everybody I am not doing anything else. Like but this is, uh, after deciding to do the golf prop, uh, company divots, I said, I'm not doing anything else until all four of these companies are running smoothly, efficiently, and, and I have a, a head at each helm. I am not taking on anything else. Then I get a call from my brother. He goes, April, I have a property you're going to want to buy. And I said, Nuh-uh, no, I'm not doing nothing. Not one single thing. I'm new. And he goes, just take a look. It's gold. And uh, he says, it's so cute. So I said, fine, let me see it. It was a mistake. I bought it right away. And I was like, and it was precious. It has a house on it. It has two cottages. It has 12 acres. Ten and a half of it is undeveloped. It's super flat. 
It's right outside of Destin, which is a really touristy spot here in Florida. And uh, I could develop it into an RV park. Like it was just lovely. Plus there were already tenants in, in two of the three places. So it, it, and it's, it's eight minutes from my brother. And he was like, I'll property manage it for you. I was like, nice. okay. So yeah, I just, I just <laughs> bought yet another thing. But hopefully this one is like going to be off my plate. But then I, whenever I go visit, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have something to do. This is amazing. Like I got to do a bunch of landscaping work and I got to clean up the shop. And <laughs> Well, that was going to be one of my questions. Will this become a video series as you um, develop it? You know, there's really not an there's not enough. Yes, if I do something on the back acreage, like an RV park, then absolutely, I'm just way too. Uh, I love bringing people along on big projects, but truthfully, the only thing, the biggest thing that I had to do was um, a bunch of landscaping work. So, like, I bring people along on stories in order to show them that. Um, but there's really there's not big projects. Like, I had to caulk the shower i had to like put a few extra screws in the in the kitchen cabinets but it's it was so turnkey that and you know what's funny is the houses were built in 45 which probably is an old to y'all but in the states we just a 45 uh, 1945 is an old house yeah that's, that's pretty old yeah i'd say as well. oh okay my the I house guess- that i'm in is a 1950s and it certainly looks old <laughs> oh okay well whenever i go to like germany and england they were like, oh, oh yeah, this yeah. house is six Europe's generations back. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you walk past a building that's 500 years old, and that's the, the, the newest one in the town, yeah. Yeah, it's Absolutely. older than my entire country. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a question about your, um, in terms of your videos and, and how you decide what you're going to film. I know you mentioned earlier with Wilkadoos, you can sort of pick and choose based on your needs. But as a YouTuber, do do you ever find yourself trying to pick up on trends or, or popular projects and chasing that, or is that just that's just not something you even consider anymore? I, I've never considered it. I um, I'm not a, a numbers person, and I don't know how to say what I I can think it so clearly. But finding the words is kind of tricky. But try to stay with me. I. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be led around like this because I don't enjoy building for the sake of building. I feel like a lot of like, especially you fine woodworkers, y'all enjoy the process. And that is what gives you the, the ooey gooeys and the motivation to do more. I'm motivated by the end product. And I discovered this whenever my neighbors asked me to build a chicken coop for them. I said, yes. And it was the first thing that I ever built for somebody else outside of my parents and I just I hated the process. Like I was just so bored and it's hard to build something. And I just was not motivated to go through the obstacles to figure out how to do it. And so I went ahead and I followed through on my commitment and I built a chicken coop and it still looks great. But I told myself, I'm, I'm never gonna put myself, like why go through the slog if I can just pick something that I'm naturally motivated by and just be in heaven while building it and naturally excited. Plus, since I film, like all of that, if whenever I'm naturally into a project, it also comes out and it just creates a better pro- product all the way around. And so I've never been one to, if what I'm naturally wanting to do is no longer viable or entertaining to people, then that's okay. Then my time has passed, you know, because I'm just not somebody who, 
my, my left-hand man, he says, you're the most childlike adult I've ever met. When you want to do something, <laughs> there is no stopping you and you do, you're like, you have no patience. Like you just want to go. But when you don't want to do something, you do not want to do it. <laughs> and uh, it's just like, why force yourself to do it? And so, yeah, I, I never, I never try to like lean into trends. However, I will say that in the past three years, I have like, when I want to do something, I will spend, not me personally, because it drives me nuts, but I'll ask somebody on my team to say, will you find the, the best topic or the, what's it called, title for the video? Like, let's use best practices to where if I want to do a firewood storage holder, what, what are the top search results for it so that we can make sure that people looking for this are finding it and giving me mm-hmm. the best numbers possible. But like, there, I've never been one to just pick out something for the sake of doing it. Mm. Yeah. But I don't okay. think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that route though. There have been tons of very successful channels. Like Steve Ramsey is very open that he's like, no, I don't build for me. I build for my, for my viewers. I listen to what, what it is that they want me to build. And then I build that. And I'm like, that's awesome. So there's not, there's not one formula to make it right. It's just, this is the formula that works for me. Do you watch other makers, YouTube channels? No, I don't. <laughs> Do you know, no one, no one who makes it in YouTube watches YouTube in their field. They'll watch it in other people's fields, but in their own field, it seems to be a very common thing. Well, I used to. Um, I used I used to, but these days, whenever I'm I'm so enveloped in it all day long, I feel like all of us are. Yeah. That at the end of the day, I'm watching like national. Uh, I like watch travel and animals, and I do like a product engineering channels and uh, science. But it's it's nothing to do with making, unless it's like a cool tool. I love watching big equipment, like expert users. But yeah, making specifically, I, I just don't lean into it. So in um, terms of, oh, sorry, you go, Joe. No, I was just going to turn tact a little bit because I, I had a question about um, you, you made um, Macromona's sawmill and, or you have a version of it at least. What was I the plan it with MC that? I call it MC Square since it's What's the that? M. I call it MC Square because it's right. MC Macromona 2. Yeah. <laughs> Was was the plan for that to provide slabs and that for the woodshed, and then that kind of dried up? And, and is the sawmill? Do you use it anymore, or is it just collecting dust, so to speak? I don't. It's collecting rust, even worse than dust. <laughs> uh, I have this beautiful lean-to. Whenever I bought the woodshed, there was like this perfect lean-to out back. It was the right height. I even like spent, I don't know, $1,500 and two weekends over there digging a trench to pull power over to it. Um, so I spent a lot of time and money. And plus I moved it myself on a, a big uh, sky track. So, I mean, it was a big evolution to get it over there. And yeah, the idea was that I would bring in logs and then have a full-time sawyer, uh, not only sawing up slabs that then I could feed to the retail section, but then also making slabs for live edge furniture and then also providing cutting services for other people should they just want to bring us their logs. But, man, I tell you what, the make or break of something being successful outside of yourself is people. And I've just never been able to find the right person to 
to run with it. Everything is like way too reliant on me being heavily involved. And I just, I just simply don't have the capacity. And it, it, it's such a shame because I think about it so often. And um, yeah, it, it would be a full-fledged business for the right person. It would be like, hey, do you want to leave your corporate job and, and like play in this adult playground all day long <laughs> or even two days a week? You know, like if somebody offered that to me whenever I was in the corporate position of just like my soul dying, I would have been like, what sort of angel are you? And tell but it's more. just incredible. What's that? I say, tell me more. <laughs> hey, Texas has a very uh, similar climate to, to uh, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but would it be the sort of thing that you would then look at pivoting and, and offering somebody a stake in the business or allowing them to kind of get involved in it that way? Yep. So um, yeah. I've actually tried to, like, my idea for the Sawyer directly was hey, I'm going to charge like an hourly rate for this. Let's just say $50 an hour. But services can actually go for 200 an hour in this area. So then I just want to somebody to pay me almost like to rent my equipment. But then yeah, right. you yeah. can charge $100. You can charge $90 an hour. You can charge $300. Yeah. I don't care what you do. But at that point, I'm, I'm trying to enable somebody to start their own business that I yeah. have a little piece of. Like I have the original investment. I have yeah. the big audience that will bring me logs. Like I turn down logs all the time. Not only like, cause I even have the trailer to go and pick them up. And then I have the big truck that can pull the trailer. Like I have everything other than the person. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's and, crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Cause you really are just offering an, an all, all encompassed, no, no capital up front. Uh, yeah, no capital guys, just come in. It's it just, just come in and run a business. It gets even worse because I have the MC square that has a six foot. I don't know what that is in, in, um, yeah, 1.8. Okay. Thank you. 1.8 yeah. cut capacity. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. I have that one. I also have a log assault that has a portable trailer that has a 36 inch. So will you convert that for me too, Joey? Uh, I think it's 90 just, centimeters. Yeah. Just under Maybe. a meter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's under a meter. I also have that. And so <clears throat> on the MC square, they would have to bring me their logs. Um, but then the log assault, I could hook up to the truck and tow it anywhere. Somebody in Louisiana wants acreage of trees cut. Let's go to Louisiana boys. You know, somebody <laughs> wants in California, let's go, you know, like what a fun adventure. But again, I need, yeah. I need somebody to just run with it. And then on top of that, if you want, if we really want to hear about how bad the situation is, I also have a chain, <laughs> I have a chainsaw mill. I have a log assault, which is the top oh, of the right. chainsaw mill that has a 30 inch cut capacity. So it's like, guys, I have the full fleet. You have the tree. I've got just, the tool. I have a, I have a, a, such a big stack of logs, like you can climb for a week on it. Right. And I just, I just can't find the person. It's such a shame. But so That's now crazy. I am at this point, unfortunately, of now that I've killed the retail section in the woodshed, even if I found a Sawyer now, now I would have to figure out where the slabs go. Like maybe I sell them to somebody else locally that's selling slabs, but it, it's no longer like before I just had this beautiful synergy planned where everything just fed in this beautiful circle and, and wheel. But now that I've killed off the retail section, I've, I've killed that synergy. So now I, it's funny that you bring this up because I was actually thinking about it last week on what do I want to do? Because it's, it like breaks my heart that not only did we put all that time and effort, but it's a full-fledged business for the right person. 
Um, and I would personally love to do it. Like if I had somebody out there running it, then on my time off, I would, I would then get to choose, do I want to go hit golf balls and divots? Do I want to go cut something out on the CNC for later? Or do I want to go and uh, saw up a log, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like I want to move to Texas and cut trees. Yeah, you're literally <laughs> describing my, my dream yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have my golf net set up in my workshop during lockdown so I could still hit golf balls. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's golf is inside. Well, what's really funny yeah. is so if y'all can imagine, this big shop is the woodworking shop with all of the CNCs and the full-fledged woodworking shop. This side is now three golf simulator bays. In the back, I have this like beautiful, whimsical floating deck that I built in the trees. And then there's two sawmills. And so it's just, it's a, it's such a candy land. (laughs) Playground. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, we are, we are coming up to time. So before we do that, is, are you able to tell us what's next? If there is any big projects in the pipeline? Guys, do not let me start anything new. (laughs) 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 No, what's next is I am... I'm I'm going to try very hard. I'm pivoting the woodshed to not really require. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to convert the woodshed into making cabinet parts, which is it's very it makes a lot of business sense, but it's just so boring that I've been putting it off. I'd rather just make you know ten thousand cowboy hat holders or a uh, thousand watch holders for so and so. Like that just sounds it's just so much more fun, but it requires so much more personnel and effort and material choices and uh, knowledge of different processes. So since I'm not having any luck finding a manager, I think I'm going to pivot the woodshed into being a cabinet making business primarily. Uh, That'll take that almost completely off my plate until the future. I'm going to back off Wilker Days for about two months until the fall uh, in order to give myself time to move through these other businesses and not go crazy um, divots is hopefully the golf simulator business is hopefully going to be open in a few weeks. And I hope to spend a lot of time there, especially since it has my heart right now. And then the RV park, who knows? I'm not like, I need to, once I back off Wilker for the next few months, my objective will be to find a new GC in order to hopefully get movement under there. But yeah, my, my biggest plan is to not take on anything new. I have some projects coming up on the Wilker side, such as like a greenhouse and a porch swing and a hammock excuse me, a hammock stand. So nothing, nothing big, but we're kind of like my plan with Wilker Dues is to do one big series a year, which has kind of been my, my precedent already. This year I did a big deck that has a pool and a bunch of storage and I can hit golf balls off of. And next year, I think I'm going to do a, I don't want to call it a tiny house, but maybe a cottage is more of a proper term. So I'm also planning, planning for that. Because how much of the deck is left? So we are up to the last video that came out was the PowerPoints, uh, installing mm, yep. PowerPoints. So how much more of it is there still to I go? Think, I think that's it. it. I think that's done completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next video y'all should see is like like earlier in the season. I, I love growing grass. And so, but it's really difficult to, in my area, because I live on solid rock. So I put out a video about my technique on how to grow grass. So now I'm getting back into the one, one-off videos and not a series mm-hmm. of videos. However, uh, I guess, Brian, I am going to be doing a series on the, the golf simulator build-out. So I'm going to make that oh, into about cool. three videos. So 
I'm not, it's not going to be a full-fledged tutorial, but you'll, you'll at least be able to see, I wanted to bring people along for the, for the journey. So yeah, that'll be coming out maybe in September timeframe, just to, because I really awesome. like to take a I'll little bit of time to focus on other things. I'll have to make sure my wife doesn't see that so that she doesn't un- understand that I'm going to build a golf simulator in our next house. No, make sure she sees that. That's and then cool. I'll make sure to include a shot of the river and the lake and kids having fun. And that Do way that. you can be That'd like, be babe, we need to move to Texas. Look how beautiful it is. I can be a sawyer and hit golf balls. <laughs> Oh, it's been such a good conversation. Oh, I, good. I reckon this is one of the best sort of business insight, mm, like good. from a maker perspective, because so many of us are really good at this sort of making side of things, but the business side of things is where we lack. Really and just, help. yeah, it's you're very inspiring to listen to. Thank you. Yeah. Um, on that note, guys, if y'all want to do another one, if you think it would be helpful, I love I love passing along information, but I also love making it it's achievable for anybody. It's just about finding the right formula, like figuring out your personal strengths and weaknesses and then a, your a, your goal and then figuring out what that path looks like. And the last piece of advice, and then I'll shut up, is a lot of people simply don't have it in them to do both sides. Um, and even if they can, sometimes it's detrimental and it will kill the passion side. And that's the most mm-hmm. horrible outcome. So my biggest recommendation for people is if you've tried and it isn't for you or you don't have enough time, source it out. You know, you can, you can form a partnership where you are the creative and somebody else is the business side. Jimmy has that going for him and it's been fabulous. So there's, you know, there's different ways on how that can look to know upfront cost to you, or you can just like pay, like if you wanted to do some sort of commission split or revenue split or you can pay somebody outright as an employee. So I would just recommend at least taking a look at it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Like we look at a lot of the sort of the, the best in inverted commas, furniture designers and makers in Australia. And very few of them actually make their own stuff and they, they're not ashamed by it. You know, they'll design it, they'll make the first one and then they'll outsource it. Yeah. They'll get paid commission on everyone produced. They might handle the sales. Somebody else might handle the sales, but there's definitely no shame in, in outsourcing. No, and that's the thing is like, that's why I stress, like, I think there's two important factors to, to start with. I think it's super important that you figure out and be honest with yourself what your true strengths and your weaknesses are, and then figure out what your actual end goal is. Because then if I think that if you have those key factors, then you can start putting together a path and try to like get rid of orthodox thinking of but this is what other people do, or this is what so-and-so said, or this is what society is going to think about that. Like what you just said, there's no shame in it. Like if your end goal is to be creating one-off really badass shit and never repeating it, then let go of what society might think about it. And instead, like you do do that goal and now outsource it. And then you make money by doing the thing that you set out to do. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but if y'all want to chat again, just let me know. Um, I miss Australia so much. I hope that I get to come to Wood Dust again next year. All right, April. Thank you once again for being on the show. Take care, all the best, and we will talk to you soon.